0: This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Apple Inc. versus the FBI in an encryption case showdown. Whose side do I fall on? We'll get to that. Welcome to the program. We're also going to get to the aftermath of Super Tuesday coming later in the program. But here's where I want to start. This is a fascinating case. I I think it is. You may have heard of it. Um, the FBI has this terrorist from San Bernardino's cell phone, and they're trying to get into it. They made a couple of attempts to try to crack his password, and they weren't able to do it. And it's a situation where if they try too many times, there is this, this encryption software will dissolve all the information and they'll lose it. So now they're trying to force Apple to create a backdoor to get behind this encryption and get in and find out what's on this phone. This is a a situation where the law has not caught up with technology. Technology is constantly emerging, as you know, and the law hasn't been able to, in any way, shape, or form, keep pace with that. And so we get these situations like this, and we don't know what to do because there is no law, really, in place to deal with it. But it still ends up in the courts, as you know. And it's, uh, I'll tell you what, this is a tough one. It really is. But let me give you some background as to what's going on here, and then uh, uh, we'll move to the story. A federal district judge in California last week ordered Apple to bypass security barriers on the iPhone 5C that had been used by Syed Rizwan Farouk with his wife killed 14 people at an office holiday party in December. In a defiant public letter, Apple CEO Tim Cook announced the company wouldn't comply. Apple argues the tool inevitably would be used not just in one isolated case, but recently. The showdown has reinvigorated proposals for Congress to pass a law that would require tech companies, including Apple, Facebook, and Google, to provide backdoor and digital devices So law enforcement officials could access encrypted information during investigations. The debate has become an issue in the presidential campaign. Republican frontrunner Donald Trump has called for a boycott of Apple products unless the company cooperates with the San Bernardino investigators. I happen to disagree with him on that. That's kind of what's at stake here. Now, here is FBI Director Comey, his position. This is a quote. We have awesome new technology that creates a serious tension between two values we all treasure: privacy and safety. Comey wrote that tension should not be resolved by corporations that sell stuff for a living. It should not be resolved by the FBI, which investigates for a living as well. It should be resolved by the American people deciding how we want to govern ourselves in a world that we have never seen before. And I think that's at the heart at the heart of it. As many of you may know. I like Director Comey. I think he's a reasonable guy. He's an intelligent guy. He's an honorable uh, an honorable guy, uh, full of integrity. And he goes on to say here that it's a big problem for law enforcement armed with a search warrant when you find a device that can't be opened, even though the judge said that there's probable cause to open it. It affects our counterterrorism work with San Bernardino, a very important investigation to us, we still have one of those killer's phones that we have not been able to open and it's been over two months now. We're still working on it. What we would like is a world where people are are able to comply with court orders. Yeah, I wish it were that simple. I would have thought that uh, Mrs. Bill Clinton would have uh, honored the subpoenas in, the, in her secret server investigation and turned over all of the emails, all of them, not just the ones that she wanted to. And I wish that Um, former Attorney General of the United States Department of Justice Eric Holder would have turned over documents as required by law. They were subpoenaed by the Congress in the fast and furious investigation, and he just thumbed his nose at Congress and refused to turn them over. So here is Tim Cook, the uh, Apple CEO. Here's his position. Apple Chief Executive Tim Cook However, has resisted calls to act on this this, uh, court order, saying it has implications far beyond the legal case at hand. The FBI wants us to make a new version of the iPhone operating system, circumventing several important security features, and install it on an iPhone recovered during the investigation. Cook wrote in a statement, In the wrong hands, this software, which does not exist today, would have the potential to unlock any iPhone in someone's physical possession. The FBI may use different words to describe this tool, but make no mistake, building a version of, of, of uh, this this uh, operating system that bypasses security in this way would undeniably create a backdoor. And while the government may argue that its use would be limited to this case, there's no way to guarantee such control. Basically, what, what CEO, Apple CEO Tim Cook is saying, he doesn't trust the government. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him one bit. Here's what Apple's relying on relying on in terms of not uh, abiding by this court order. There's a, a law goes back to the 1700s. And basically, it says, the language in this law is, is crucial. It says, whether the FBI's request is unduly burdensome, or not, is the essential question at stake in this 1987 law, I'm sorry, 1789 law. It's called the All Writs Act. It says that the government can order someone to do anything necessary to comply with an existing writ, writ, so long as the government's request is not unduly burdensome. So the FBI is using this All Writs Act to say that Apple must engineer a new version of its operating uh, platform in order to comply with the warrant. Apple is saying that such a request violates the unduly burdensome caveat, and that's where this stands today. So you have this judge that issued this court order, and Apple is saying, we're not going to honor it. I find that a little problematic, but I said a little. Because this thing is, like I said, we haven't been here before. You know, Comey mentioned it in, 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 in some of the statements that, uh, that he's made. And it, it, like I said, it's one of these situations where the law is trying to keep up with technology in terms of how to deal with this. The problem is you aren't going to be able to create a law today that as fast as technology is emerging, that that law will be obsolete as soon as it's signed by the uh, uh, president of the United States. So that's kind of the, 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 the dilemma here for both sides, really. So I was asked last week uh, by Fox Business News anchor or um, show host, you know, where do I come down on this? And I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But I want to talk about this government trust thing. Remember Eric Snowden? The government has already demonstrated that they can't be trusted with government secrets. And that's problematic. You know as well as I do that if Apple were to come up with this um, code or whatever, this backdoor to get through this encryption there's no guarantee that someone wouldn't hack into a government server and find out what this is and then make every Apple device and its owner vulnerable. That's what Tim, uh, uh, CEO, Apple CEO Tim Cook is saying. And I think he makes a very compelling case. This thing isn't going to go away anytime soon. And in the next segment, I'm going to get into where I come down on this thing.
0: The Blaze Radio Network, on demand. David Clark, the people's sheriff. Find more on demand at theblaze.com slash radio. Don't miss the morning blaze
1: with Doc and Skip.
0: I want to go ahead and play a little bit of Hillary Clinton's victory speech last night.
1: Instead of building walls, we're going to break down barriers and build I just realized I can't take it, folks. I won't be able to. Four years of that, hearing that voice. That killing cat sound, cat caught in the fan belt sound of... The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Sheriff. I want to correct something I said in the uh, previous segment. I think I called him Eric Snowden. It's Edward Snowden. So the twists and turns in this case, Apple versus the FBI. A uh, couple more comments that I want to make. One is that you know the FBI continues to drop the ball in these investigations. They did it in the Boston bombing. They did it in the, uh, Garland, Texas. They did it at Fort Hood where they had information beforehand that could have prevented this. Then they go into this reactionary mode, this investigative mode, which is what they do. They are not an intelligence agency, yet they are tasked with uh, that responsibility domestically. You've heard me on this program argue against that sort of thing. And so now they want to force somebody else uh, to help them. And, and, and I've heard many people, many conservatives you know, come out and say, hey, this is national security or this is domestic security and and we have to err on the side of security. And I always remind people, not so fast. Many of you may know that I hold a master's degree in security studies from the United States Naval Academy Postgraduate School, the Center for Homeland Defense and Security. Doesn't make me an expert, but it means I've done some study in the area of homeland security. I did a thesis, and this thesis is entitled Balancing Security and Privacy because that's where we need to be at. Balance, ladies and gentlemen. What we did in the post nine one era nine eleven is we overreacted, we gave the government all of this authority in a state of delirium because it had just happened to us where we gave away our privacy. Now, look, I'm in law enforcement. I want law enforcement to have the tools, but I don't want the government to take so much privacy away from us, which they did in the Patriot Act, and it was undone in the USA Freedom Act, when we saw what happens when government, with the metadata, with Snowden, the metadata collection uh, by the National Security Agency, and they lied about it. They were collecting everybody's metadata. You know what that is, the cell phone numbers, certain information, text messages. They weren't reading the actual messages, but they were collecting that data that they could look at. They were storing it and saving it any time down the road that they wanted. I don't want, I don't trust my government to have that. Ben Franklin said he who would give up A little privacy for security deserves neither privacy nor security. And he's right. Balance is what we need here. And it's always going to be out of balance. But then we got to get back to that tipping point where we create some temporary sense of balance so that we can protect privacy in this country. Because that's important. It's important to me and it's important to you. So when we go back to this case... You know, here's some of the facts. This is from Time Magazine. Apple doesn't currently have the keys to break into the San Bernardino shooter's iPhone. In fact, it doesn't have the keys to any iPhone. That's what makes the technology known as end-to-end encryption so strong. Nobody except the end users, that'd be you and I, ladies and gentlemen, the person sending a message and the person receiving it on the other end can unscramble a message while it is uh, transiting through cyberspace. So, Apple and dozens of other co- other companies have pushed back against such proposed legislation. That the uh, you know we create a law that would force them to do it. They say such backdoors would easily be exploited by hackers and criminals, and end up making all of us much less safe in the long run. Dismantling. The two safety mechanisms that are needed for this phone would allow the FBI to use what's known as brute force attack on the San Bernardino shooter's iPhone password. It would set up a computer connected to the iPhone via a USB drive that would try every single possible combination of numbers in the password and eventually, by trial and error, break break in that way. No encryption key is necessary, but in order to pull off such a brute force attack, it needs Apple to rewrite its operating system, and this is where I think it's unduly burdensome, so I would agree with Apple on this, because Apple would have to rewrite its operating system and sign it, so to speak, with the official Apple key so, uh, Apple key, so that the San Bernardino Shooters iPhone would accept the new version as a legitimate operating system update. And there's the rub. Apple says that engineering a whole new version of the iPhone operating system is in legal terms unduly burdensome. Can you imagine how much money that would cost Apple? The language is, is crucial. Whether the FBI's request is unduly burdensome or not is the essential question at stake in that uh, 1789 law that I talked about. So you can see how you know how many twists and turns this 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 case takes. Should Apple Inc be required to spend, by their estimates, I've seen this somewhere, $10 billion to set up a new operating system that would override the encryption that you and I have to protect our phones and protect our software and protect our privacy. Should they be forced to do that to get into this iPhone? This is not an existential threat right now. This attack already happened if this were a situation and first of all it would take too long anyway apple can't create this new operating system in the next 2 weeks or 3 weeks this could take years it could take years to do. do you know how much will change in technology in years that maybe by the time they come up with this there'll be some new encryption software where they won't even be able to override it you know this is what we're dealing with here this is the complexity of this case and everybody knows everybody knows that should apple come up with such a thing and give it to the government there is no guarantee that that wouldn't get into the wrong hands look at how many government servers have been hacked including our military personnel their human resources people's social security numbers and other vital information really rank amateurs hacking into government data systems And that's what what Apple's concern is they would make every one of their Apple products vulnerable to criminals and hackers. So again I want to come back into this is stop playing the zero-sum game folks when these things come up and they're going to continue to come up and, and people right away oh well this is uh, homeland security this is national security we have to do this we have to trample on privacy rights. To protect America. No, we don't. We need balance. We need to err on the side of privacy. Why? Because you and I know that with government, it's give them an inch and they're going to take a foot. Give them a foot and they're going to take a yard. Because it never stops. So where do we need to be in this situation? you know the key is where is that sweet spot i'd like to think that it's achievable and in my master's thesis that i wrote i used policy options analysis and came up with a policy recommendation to try to achieve that that balance you know utilizing the 911 commission and the the Patriot Act and some of the other stuff that was going on with the government trampling our privacy rights. And I came up with a model that I think would work to always find that balance, you know, get into that tipping point. And when things start to get a little too much in terms of government exploiting our rights, tip it back toward privacy when it gets to be, you know, a situation like this, right? Where reasonableness, reasonableness, would be what we're after.
0: You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. I'll tell you what I think about, despite my history with Mitt Romney, despite what I think of him and everything else, I will tell you honestly, with my heart and soul, what I think about what he did this morning in calling a national press conference to attack Trump. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff.
1: It was Thomas Jefferson who said, government is not to be trusted. Thomas Jefferson knew better. That's why they drafted the Constitution of the United States with specific bill of rights. Telling the government what they cannot and will not do. And we're talking about this Apple case versus uh, the FBI and this San Bernardino terrorist attack. You know, that's one of the benefits you get of of listening to this program. When we get to these complex issues, and this is very complex, I think that you can see that. I peel the layers back, and I walk people through it. It's got many moving parts. You must deal with these parts independently. You know, I talked about my thesis. as a methodology I use, policy option analysis. In other words, you give several policy options for the policymaker to choose from. And mine was on balancing privacy and security. And I'm in a policy-making position as it relates to the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office. And, And this, when you listen to my program, you get the benefit of how my mind works. I caution people, and I'll caution you as well. Stay away from the emotional rhetoric. Stay away from the emotional knee-jerk reaction to things. Like I said, when this case first came up, I heard some prominent conservatives come out and say, oh, we got an error on the side of uh, 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 national security or, or domestic security here. This is not an existential situation because like I said, if the judge tomorrow called Tim Cook, Apple CEO in and said, you will do this per my order, It's still going to take Apple potentially years to come up with an operating system to do this. And that's why I said this isn't existential. Even if Tim Cook wanted to do it right now, he could not. They don't have the capacity to do it right now. I'm sure this is going to end up in the United States Supreme Court. That's how important this election is. There's a vacancy on the Supreme Court, and there'll be several others. You've heard me talk about it on this program. This will end up in the courts, but probably not for some time down the road. Like I said, San Bernardino already happened. There will be other terror attacks in the United States. It's a target-rich environment. Unless we want to shut down our society, it's going to happen. But we have to do a better job at the government level of preventing terrorist attacks when we can, responding to them in a more judicious way, a quick way, and mitigating those ones after they happen. But we're not even good at that. We're not really good at preventing them. We can be better. So, you know, when you're looking at this case, and I'm not going to tell you what side to come down on here. There's two schools of thought. I wrote about it in my thesis. I had to take the other side, meaning the government side and the government needs the tools. We all know that. I want the tools. But I don't want to kick you in the stones in terms of your privacy to do it. Let's listen to what i said uh and answer to this on uh Stu varney on fox business news apple fighting the feds they're not gonna
0: crack the san Bernardino terrorist iphone sheriff david clark is with us a frequent guest on the program and a valuable guest too sheriff just re- let's go right at this which side are you on the side fbi crack that phone and find out what's going on or the privacy side apple
1: well Stewart I don't think these things are mutually exclusive. I think there's a sweet spot that can be attained here. This is a situation of the law not having uh kept pace with yeah. technology. It's also a matter of trust that Apple does not trust the government with its secrets and they have um history on their side to do that. You look at the Eric Snowden, you also look at uh, Mrs. Bill Clinton uh, with her uh, government secrets on an unprotected uh, server. So, you know, as a law enforcement officer, of course, I like everything available to me, but I'm driven by my own self-interest <laughs> as a cop. But from, I still think, Stuart, it's too much to ask the American people uh, to give up in terms of privacy.
0: You, you, okay, so you, you don't want the privacy cracked. But you also want to find out what's on that phone. I mean, it's a kind of a cleft stick, isn't it? I mean, it's, um, it's a very difficult position. But I, I have to add, the FBI is saying that L.A., Los Angeles, still faces a major terrorist threat. And earlier today, Congressman David Jolly was saying that, look, Apple may have blood on its hands. So from your side of the aisle, the law enforcement side, the political side as well, they're saying, get inside that phone.
1: Well, you know, the government is good at uh, the sky is falling rhetoric and these existential threats. Look, L.A. and any other city in America faces a threat of terrorism regardless of whether they get into this phone or not. uh, It's going to be an ongoing threat. I think there can be a happy median uh, reached here, and I think with a meeting of the minds, if I were, excuse me, if I were uh, FBI Director Comey, I would go visit. Uh, Apple CEO Tim, uh, Tim Cook, not pick up the phone and call him. Go see him, establish a relationship, and I'm sure if, uh, after a meeting of the minds, Apple would understand. And there's probably some way that they can assist the government here. But to ask Apple to uh, provide backdoor, that, uh, will make all of their products vulnerable to hackers. We know they're not going to be able to keep these uh, things secret. Hmm. But I think we could still reach this thing short of, uh, just shoving a court order in somebody's face. I know Director Comey said, I'd like to reach a day where people comply with the law. Well, I would have thought that when, uh, Eric Holder withheld documents, subpoenaed documents by Congress under Fast and Furious and Mrs. Bill Clinton did the same thing Uh, on holding back documents, emails from Benghazi, so now you have the shoe on the other foot in terms of the government and now the government's finding out what it's like, and it's it's very (laughs) difficult. This is a tough situation, however, in the end, Stuart, I still think both of these things can be achieved. We need balance, we need a sweet spot. I wrote a thesis on it and I think it can be achieved. Okay, I didn't know you'd written a thesis on it, but
0: I've got 20 (laughs) seconds left. Would you comment on Al Sharpton saying if Trump's elected president he might just leave the country?
1: If Al Sharpton said that, then put me down for Donald Trump. I will vote for Donald Trump. But uh, uh, Sharpton doesn't have to worry about uh, being deported. He should be in federal prison for income tax evasion, and I hope Donald Trump would do that.
0: Well, you you kept it to 15 (laughs) seconds, Sheriff. That was pretty good. Sheriff Clark,
1: we appreciate you being with us, sir. (laughs) Thank you very much. All right. So that was my take. Again, trying to find that sweet spot. That's where I want to be. These things are not mutually exclusive, which means you can have both. Mutually exclusive, as you may know, means both things can't happen at the same time. And I said, these things are not mutually exclusive. We can have both. We can achieve security for the United States against threats, and we can protect privacy. And here's what a man that I have a lot of respect for thinks about it, because you you should ask yourself, who else thinks like Clark on this thing? Retired four-star General Michael Hayden former director of the National Security Agent, Agency and the CIA. He says, in this specific case, I'm trending toward the government, but I've got to tell you, in general, I oppose the government's efforts. Those efforts personified by uh, FBI Director Jim Comey, Hayden told Capital download in an interview. This is from the USA Today. Jim would like a backdoor available to American law enforcement and all devices globally. And frankly, I think on balance that actually harms American safety and security even though it might make Jim's job a bit easier in some specific circumstances. He goes on to say, Look, I used to run the CIA. Backdoors are good. Please, please, Lord, put backdoors on because I and a bunch of other talented security services around the world want that. Even though that backdoor was not intended for me, that backdoor will make it easier for me And what I'm trying to do, which is to penetrate. But when you step back and look at the whole question of American security and safety writ large, we are a safer, more secure nation without back doors, he said. With them, a lot of other people would take advantage of it. That's where I'm at. That's that sweet spot. Coming up, we're going to take a look at Super Tuesday. David Clark,
0: the People's Sheriff,
1: on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Buck Sexton. What, the party establishment is going to engage in all kinds of Machiavellian machinations to try to thwart the will of the majority of voters within the GOP at a convention to take the nomination away from Trump, if in fact he is the frontrunner going into it? And then you think the party's going to be healthy afterwards? You're saying, oh, well, because otherwise the whole thing is done. And isn't the whole thing done if GOP voters no longer get to pick who the GOP candidate is? Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: The Blaze Radio Network On Demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Breaking news. I just took you through the Apple versus the FBI case regarding the San Bernardino terrorist where the FBI went and got a court order from a judge that ordered Apple to help them override the encryption and, and break into the phone, so to speak, of the San Bernardino terrorist. And Apple is standing fast and said they won't do it. Well, here's a case out of New York. There's parallels to this case here. And this is why I say it'll end up in the United States Supreme Court. We may get differing opinions here from different uh, circuits, appeals, courts. And eventually, because this is new, this area of technology and the law. But anyway... Apple scored a major legal victory in its opening battle against the FBI on Monday when a federal magistrate judge in New York rejected the U.S. government's request as part of a drug case to force the company to help it extract data from a locked iPhone. The ruling of U.S. Magistrate Judge James Orenstein was issued as part of the criminal case against Young Feng, who pleaded guilty in October to drug charges. It is a significant boost to Apple's well-publicized campaign, to resist the FBI's similar efforts in the case of the San Bernardino killers. In the case that gave rise to Monday's ruling, the Drug Enforcement Administration had seized, but even after consultation with the FBI, claimed it was unable to access Fing's iPhone 5. The DEA and FBI said that they could not overcome security measures embedded in Apple's operating system. The government thus filed a motion seeking an order requiring Apple to assist the investigation under the authority of the all Writs Act, the same 1789 law the FBI is invoking in the San Bernardino case by helping the government bypass the, pa- bypass the passcode security. Apple objected, noting that there were nine other cases currently pending in which the government was seeking a similar order. The judge in this case applied previous legal decisions interpreting the the All Writs Act, and concluded that the law does not justify imposing on Apple the obligation to assist the government's investigation against its will. So you can see, and this is just one of the early, nothing to get real excited about, but uh, it leans toward where I am on this. I think it's a, a bridge too far for the government to have this kind of authority. I think they have to make a stronger case as to what the existential Threat is what the uh, uh, potential damage quickly that could be done to the United States in a terror attack, and you can make up all the stuff you want, but in the end, what you have to do is you have to uh, demonstrate to a court that what you're saying is reasonable because that's what is at stake in the Fourth Amendment, okay? Reasonableness. The government has to be reasonable, <coughs> excuse me, in its attempts to. Uh, do what they want to do. So that's just round one, but uh, it's it's one for Apple. Now I'm gonna get into this Super Tuesday. By the way, I'm I'm uh, coming to you from CPAC. I'm on several events uh, on stage, the main stage uh, during this week, and uh, this is my third or fourth time at CPAC. It's now going to be a yearly thing for me I really enjoy this event a gathering of like-minded conservatives uh, young conservatives and that's what I think makes this thing so energetic you don't have your stodgy uh, establishment Republicans and uh, your old-fashioned drinking uh, you know uh, blue blazer wearing penny loafer wearing I'm not knocking that I have a blue blazer as a matter of fact I had one on last night at dinner but you know what I'm talking about, and this is an attempt to attract and recruit young conservatives, okay to, to bring them up right, to educate them, to nurture them into the fold for um, future conservative leaders of America. We're going back to Super Tuesday. Uh, Trump did well as, as most people were going were expecting. Uh, Ted Cruz hung on to his home state of Texas. That was important for him in his campaign. He's now in second place in the delegate count. Uh, Trump leads. Uh, Rubio's a, a distant third. Now, he didn't do well at all on Super Tuesday, and he needed to. He won one state, his first state, and was Minnesota, and, and he spent a lot of money. Nobody else really went after Minnesota on the Republican side. Either Trump or, or Cruz a campaign hired Minnesota. Uh, but I think in an act of desperation, um, Marco Rubio knew he needed a win. You know, I've talked about that before. It's important to get an early win. I talked about that with Trump coming out of Iowa where he did not win, and I said for him never having won an election, he needs an early win to show that he can do this, and he got it in New Hampshire, and that's what Marco Rubio needed, and he got it, but I think it was in an insignificant uh, fashion that he did it. So now the Republican establishment, the RNC, uh, power brokers, they are in a tizzy. They are going, once again, this isn't the first time they're doing this, all out. This is all out. All the chips are in the middle of the table right now to try to take out Donald Trump. I think this is disastrous for the GOP to behave like this. I think... You know, this is the sort of thing, these tactics being used, are what the GOP always accuses the Democrats of in the general election. The same thing. Underhanded. Sleight of hand. This doesn't bode well. It doesn't speak well of the GOP. Look, the people decide... You can't blame Trump for this. You have to blame his supporters, and you can't blame his supporters. This is who they're saying they want. The RNC and the GOP brought this on themselves. The people are tired. They've had it. They've seen it over and over again. And it isn't just recently. They've had it. And they're not going back. I'll tell you right now, this is going to blow up in their faces. Don't forget, I don't have a, a, a horse in this race. But I don't like what's going on. And I'm not talking about the fighting and the backbiting and the cannibalism. I'm talking about some of these tactics that are being used to take out Trump. The latest one, Mitt Romney spoke at CPAC on the main stage. And it was basically, and I, I thought, first of all, I don't want to hear from Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney's yesterday's news, if he knew how to win an election, we'd be talking about the final months of the Mitt Romney administration. So he came out guns blazing today, ripping Donald Trump. Ripping Donald Trump. I guess this is what his job is. He's been given this job by the... Uh, GOP establishment and the RNC. I didn't like it. I didn't like his tone. I didn't like the rhetoric that he used. And again, remember, I don't have a a, a horse in this race right now. But I'm watching. I'm watching closely. This is going to backfire on the GOP. It may cost them the election now. Because Donald Trump's 35, 40 percent support. staying with him. And if he gets taken out in an underhanded way, his supporters aren't going along with uh, any sort of chicanery or shenanigans by the uh, RNC and the convention of June. They're not going to go along with it. They won't. They'll stay home. I don't know who gave them this advice that this might work, but it's not going to. It will not work, and they need to knock it off. That's all the time we have for today. Follow me during the week on Twitter at Sheriff Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E, at sheriff.com. God bless you. David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network.